Hello and welcome to this week's Wolves Fancast. Richard Hobbs here and on today's podcast we have Dan. Hello everybody. We've got Andy. Yo. And we've got Jordan. Hi everyone. How are we all doing? Have we all gone to the pub guys? <laughs> oh god, that's, oh, this, this podcast is going to get off to a right episode I think. We're going to go down that route. <laughs> it's been a interesting weekend guys of course as i mentioned the pubs have reopened wisely or unwisely and probably even more depressingly wolves lost for the first time after a restart and there was potentially an air of inevitability about it obviously i think perceptions have changed from how we kind of cruised through the first three games um against weak opposition and actually kind of got unpicked by um, a resurgent Arsenal team. So on today's pod, we're going to talk about the Arsenal game, the upcoming game against Sheffield United, bit of a uh, quiz and Twitter corner as well. So as I mentioned, first time in forever, it feels like Wolves actually lost a game. And there's kind of a couple of familiar feels um, throughout it in terms of kind of going a goal down in the first half, which was almost a bit nostalgic, to be honest. Um, I think the biggest talking point almost happened before the game when the team news got announced with a switch to 3-5-2. But probably most importantly, Traore playing up front. And obviously as the game developed, that didn't really work. But uh, I'll go to um, Dan first. What was your sort of initial reaction to a lineup? Uh, It's all, all my words are in hindsight pretty much now is that Traore as a central striker just doesn't work. It hasn't worked in the past when he's tried it. It sort of deters our actual best way of playing f- football, which in my opinion is 3-4-3. Having players out wide who can uh, accommodate their full-backs 90% of the time and then draw out the centre-backs the 10% of the other time just doesn't work. Um, Jota in his last however many games against Arsenal, he always... He always causes the Arsenal defence fear, and I just thought I know he hasn't been hitting form recently, but it was just disappointing. I see Jota up form with Jimenez in a two. How about um, how about you, Andy? It's not the starting lineup I would have expected, but when I saw it, I did think, okay. I mean, obviously Traore's got all the pace in the world. Jimenez is a, is a canny operator. That that should be okay, but obviously it proved to be massively incorrect I thought with having that extra body in midfield it would give us the advantage <clears throat> but to be honest well I think Neves was okay but the other two didn't really turn up and make much of an impact so it wasn't so much the front two that was the issue for me I felt it was the midfield three yeah I mean uh, Jordan I mean kind of the way I'm sort of looking at it now is it possible to have Dendonka in midfield and Traore almost in the same team and have them working cohesively because he doesn't seem to cut, you know, he prefers playing Donk at the moment in midfield, but he's tried a trial array at wing back and um, up front today and they're not his best position. So, you know, how, how, what are you sort of thinking? I think, um, well, I put it in the group um, a couple of days ago. Basically, I think that we're showing them too much respect, really. And I know that, um, all our games at half time have been nil nil, you know, post this, uh, you know, before this Arsenal game, should I say? Um, but I just felt like three four three was the way to go. They're a team that are lacking confidence, 
albeit yeah, they beat Sheffield United in the Cup and Norwich. But I think it showed that at the start of the second half, where when we actually started going at them, they didn't have a clue what to do. Um, I think three four three would have been the option for them. They changed to a three four three themselves because they were worried about us, and we've ended up just playing into their hands. We were just so passive. In that first half, we let them build themselves into the game. I think if we'd have gone on the front foot for the first 20 minutes, pegged them back a bit, it'd have been a completely different result. But we let them play themselves into the game, gain a bit of confidence. And yeah, we just lost completely impetus of the whole game. As soon as we lose control of the game, we struggle to get it back. And that showed that yesterday as well. Yeah, I think um, you, you, all three of you kind of hit on sort of the main points. I mean, it's sort of Andy, you, you can't completely, you know, Arsenal went for a three-four-three, almost our style, and you know having sort of Tierney um, almost as that left wing back. I mean, he's quite—he's more of a left back than a left midfielder. So I think having him and Kalasnach, they—they were obviously in that team to do a job on um, on trial. We almost didn't need to because of the formation, um, but. I kind of expect us to be a bit more dominant in that midfield with Dendonka, with Neves and with Moutinho. And I think the overwhelming response after this game is was how poor Moutinho was. And, you know, we don't we haven't had to say that often over the last two years, have we? Um, and, you know, from his set pieces to his all-round kind of general play, um, you know, it just wasn't up to, uh, up to his sort of almost immortal standards. Um Without it sounding too overreactionary, do we think this is a bit of a blip, or do we think it's a you know almost the start slash sort of a kind of a continuation of a little bit of decline for him? I'm hoping it's more of the former than the latter. It's just a one-off. But since we've come back, he hasn't needed to exert himself overly. This is the first time we've needed him to step up against a, a decent opposition. But like I, said, I hope it is just a blip and he'll be back to his beautiful best soon enough. I think the um, <clears throat> the misunderstanding that we had on Twitter after the game when we when we singled him out for criticism was it wasn't the fact that we were singling him out because he was the worst of the lot because I, I think most people will agree there was only one or two that had yeah. probably seven out of ten in the ball. It wasn't that we were singling Martino out but because we hold him at, to such high standards when... He has a blip like this, and it hasn't been the first game. People can, can try and deny that all the while. It's been two or three games. You say yeah, he didn't have to exert himself against like Bournemouth, Villa and West Ham. They were poor sides, and I still didn't think he shone out in any of those games. Um, the last two two three games for me, we've been carrying him as a set-piece taker, and his energy hasn't been there. He hasn't really been effective in the final third. Going back to his set-pieces, just for his standards, Terrible yesterday, kicking the corner straight out from for a goal kick. His set pieces from distance were, were poor, and <clears throat> it's got to get to a point in his career now where he needs to tell Matinho where he needs to commandeer free kicks and shoot from distance instead of being overridden by what I assume is a uh, higher rank. Yeah, because I thought it was interesting when um, when Neto came on, sort of he almost immediately started going on some more for set pieces, especially on the, on the right hand side. And you know he's such an influential player for Wolves. I think you know if he's not playing well or you know very much beneath himself, then it it strikes the rest of the team. And you know I thought 
for, for defence more than anything else. We just looked a bit unsure. And, uh, you know, uh, again, it's been a while since I've seen Bolly play with that. Clumsiness. <sighs> Clumsiness, mm. yeah. He just didn't <clears throat> look almost himself. And, you know, I think that there's a bit of a perception about Arsenal that they're not a very good team. And actually, you look at it, and whether it's on paper or, you know, on the pitch, they have still got some very good players, especially going forward. Um, you know, um, Abamyang essentially played on the left wing, and I think he was the one who kind of caused um, Bolly a few issues. Um, and Lacazette obviously came on, and, you know, I think, what well, he cost them 45, 50 million. So, you know, there's, there's quality in that team. It's just a not always cohesive ones. Um, I think it was the thing that struck... Um, to me about the goals was they were really preventable um, I, I don't know what did you sort of think of the, um, the first goal first of all Jordan um, yeah I mean there was nothing not a lot going on in the game really if you'd have gone in at half time nil nil you'd have probably said right we were pretty pretty awful for that first 45 but again it's sort of carbon copy we know what we know what we're going to do in the second half um, it sort of come out of nothing really and I think it, it took a deflection the cross did didn't it off Doherty and it sort of just um, sat up nicely really for Saka and he took his goal really really well to be honest with you um, mm-hmm. took it really really well um, but that's what I mean that's when the plan looks flawed then because you know if we'd have gone in at nil-nil at half time we'd have been had every faith and confidence right we know what the second half plan is now and we'd have fancied us to go on and win the game still um, but as soon as you go one nil down you're being that passive in the first half then You've only got yourself to blame if you can see the goal, um, and it's it's you know it's been well muted as well, isn't it? Well taken that we've you know I think in the first half we'd actually be twenty in the league, rock right bottom, and I think that as our progression as a team goes, we need to get better with that. We need to you know we've got the ability to start quick. We've seen it in you know when we're in the championship and even last season some of the games where we just took it to teams. Like Arsenal last year at home, we were three nil up at half time. We've got the ability in that squad to do it, and it's just a shame that yesterday that those are the sort of tactics I think we needed to put Arsenal on the back foot, and we just yeah, he doesn't really get it wrong a lot of times, Nuno. But you've got to be held accountable when you do get it wrong, and for me, you got it completely wrong yesterday. Yeah, I think there was a there, there was a spell at the start of the second half where we did come out of the blocks and we looked a lot more sure of ourselves, and you know, Troy had that great chance I think after sort of Jota had come on who'd made a real impact um, you know almost arguably you know showing why he should have started either in a front three or front two um, and I say Trio had that chance Jota um, had a really good chance blocked uh, by Luis who I thought actually did really well um, in the middle of the in the middle of the back three for them and then we hit the drinks break um, halfway through the second half and it just seemed to completely put the roadblocks on us and give Arsenal that chance to sort of just push 10 yards further forward up the pitch. Um, and then, you know, their, their second goal kind of comes back again. It, it didn't feel like they were really building up a lot of momentum. We didn't really feel like we were playing well backs against the wall. Um, and personally, again, I thought it was really preventable, um, you know, in terms of like Cody got really sort of caught flat-footed and I look watch the goal back and I'm not quite sure what he's trying to do um you know he's not trying to block a shot because there's no way he could have you know I think he just got his feet kind of almost caught up in himself and couldn't move quickly enough um let's say did um 
I don't know, I don't know which one we go to. Uh, Dan, what did you sort of think in terms of sort of our? I guess I'll drop off after that break, and then you know, as soon as it was two nil, that we really didn't show much. I think it's like what everyone's previously mentioned. Defensively, usually we're solid as a rock. Um, yesterday, you, you have been. I mean, I'll take the blame for Willy Bolly. He, he was awful yesterday. I'll take the blame for that because I didn't captain him in my dream team. Well, there we go. Just, I'm sorry, guys. It was just it's Arsenal. This ain't this ain't Arsenal. The Invincibles, Arsenal, and with Van Persie up front. It's 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 Arsenal. If if we're gonna get in these Champions League places, we need to be beating teams like Arsenal. Oh, I'm sorry. That, I know they've got Aubameyang and they spend a lot of money on Lacazette, but we all said it before before the game. Was there anyone in that starting eleven that would get in our starting eleven? And some of us said Aubameyang, but. I wouldn't have even had a, a, a Bamiyang over Jimenez. I just think defensively yesterday, we just weren't at it. I don't know whether the, the pressure of the game got to them or whether they was overconfident. But, um, yeah, I was just really disappointed with the way we, we defended yesterday because, like I said, I thought all, all the goals were preventable. preventable and Saiz was lucky to stay on the pitch. I thought he was in his worst game last year. What he, what he was doing yesterday, after he got booked and then he just barged into whoever it was, I, I just... I've been calling them Rock and Maldini for, for months and he was more like the, the Middlesbrough. I, I, don't even want to, I don't even want to call him anything because he was crap yesterday. I think Carry it, on. It, it did look like Sace was actively trying to get himself sent off at one point. And there's there almost a part where I felt a little bit nostalgic. and thought, you know what? He's just getting his boots back into it. But, you know, it was that almost complete lack of composure. Um, you know, I don't want us to be all negative guys because you know that's you know want to make sure we've got a balanced opinion um i'll cover the negative lads you carry yeah, on <laughs> i was gonna say I'm, I'm scraping the bottom of the bow but jot's had a haircut <laughs> <laughs> looks quite good to be fair to him i mean it's it's just a little sort of short back and sides but the um the uh, time no positives because none of the other results went for us no, it, it it was a we we needed that win in terms of kind of keeping up with the pack and obviously arsenal have kind of caught up um, you know, to be three points behind us now, Sheffield United um, are, are playing, I was going to say, in a few hours' time, we're recording on Sunday. It, it does feel like a missed opportunity um, because it's always important to beat those teams around you just because it gives you that separation. Um, I think the, the only sort of positive, I guess, is the fact that, unlike last season, we have been very clinical against um, the teams in the you know, the bottom third of the division. And that's kind of given us a very healthy points total. Um, you know, you look at the games we've got left, there are some tricky ones on paper. Um, and I guess we've almost got to hope that um, that the game against Arsenal was a bit of a blip. And I, I again, I, I guess the only other positive potentially is that Nuno won't try and play Troy in the front two ever again. Um, and and yeah. sort of trying because it felt so shoehorned, didn't it? It was like, oh well, we need we need sort of a bit more solidity. We need a midfield free, but I also need to start this player who's really really effective. Um, so I, I guess sort of you know we'll, we'll kind of talk about the, um, the Sheffield United game in a second. But do we uh, just sort of almost a quick round the room? Do we think he'll play Troy in a front two again this season? It wouldn't no. surprise me. Carry on, Jordan. Sorry. No, sorry, Andy. No, I was going to say the only other positive for me out of yesterday 
is that he's going to have to play 3-4-3 now for the rest of the season. We're almost now, because we've lost those three points and all our rivals have won, which on paper, looking at it, I always thought Man U would beat Bournemouth and I always thought Leicester and Chelsea would win their games as well. So I did think it was a big game yesterday. I think the, the positive is we've got to play 3-4-3 now. If we've got any ambitions to come in this top four slash top five, if that's what it's going to be, we need to we need to forget this, forget what happened yesterday and playing three five two and trying to play KG. Let's just go on the front foot and let's just attack teams. Let let teams be scared of us. Put Traore out on the right wing, Jota or Neto out on the left wing, and let's just do what we do well. Let's not be let's not worry about what's coming back the other way because I'm telling you now, a lot more teams are scared of what we can do to them than what we should be of what they can do to us. So I think we go back to three four three. I think we beat Sheffield United. I think we beat Everton, um, and just see where it takes us. Ultimately, if we've got a, if we're in with a chance of going to Stamford Bridge, and you know, if you win that game, you're going to come in the Champions League spots. Then that's what every, you know, that's what you want to take. You want it to go into your own hands. And as long as we win that last game of the season, win the top four, then 100% take it. We have just got to get back to it and just start winning games. I do think yesterday was a blip, but. Ultimately, we, you know, we're not perfect and you've got to, you know, when, when Nuno gets it wrong or Martino does have a dip, you know, off the game or whoever it is, you've got to be accountable for it and, you know, you've got to be able to say, look, that wasn't good enough. And yesterday, just simply wasn't good enough from 1 to 11. Anything more to add, Dan? No, I think I pretty much agree with what, what Jordan just said. Um, the only thing I don't agree with <laughs> is the fact that <laughs> you always um, did like a little bit of a Columbo event like obviously this is a, a an audio podcast but Dan always like turned away and went no I can't go on, go the, on only, the, only, the, only, the only thing I disagree with um, is the fact that the way that Sheffield United set up with their format actually it wouldn't surprise me if he goes 3 5 again yeah 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 quite possibly but that I mean that is a game where that is a game where you could understand going three five two because that's what they play. Lawyers I agree with what you said. We sh- we shouldn't be um, compromising to what other teams play. We we, we play three four three. That's what, I tell you, we play our best football. Let's get on the front foot instead of allowing teams to to build into a game and and put their stamp on a game. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I think that that's what it was yesterday. I think that Arsenal. Arsenal were scared of us yesterday. They're playing, basically, they're playing two left backs just to, you know, stop Royale effectively. And then when they've seen the team sheet and him coming through the middle, I mean, we look, we made like David Luiz and um, we made their their back three wouldn't have had an easier game than they did yesterday. And that's like with David Luiz and Mustafi, who are pretty much memes on the internet when it comes to Arsenal fan TV. We made them like world beaters. So, yeah, like I say, he got it wrong yesterday. Um, but, you know, he's got to be accountable for it and ultimately forget about it now it's gone and let's just move on to Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a good note to um, round it up before the break. Uh, we'll be talking about the Sheffield United game right after this. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, WolvesFancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. 
there's basically nothing they can't do marketing wise so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and i'll let you get back to enjoying the show On Wednesday, Wolves play Sheffield United in their quest to finish fourth or fifth, however you want to look at it. Now, Sheffield United have been at a fascinating season in terms of, you know, almost replicating Wolves last year in terms of how well they've done um, this year after promotion. Uh, they, they play a, I was going to say, a fairly interesting three-five-two uh, formation with a lot of movement. Uh, but since the restart, their form's been really indifferent, uh, losing the first um, two games um, before beating Spurs. Guys, uh, how do you... I know sort of Jordan sort of mentioned about how you think we'll approach it. Um, do you think it's going to be very much a um, shut-up shop, 3-5-2, um, get Donk in there, get Jota and Jimenez up front and grind them down over, you know, 75 minutes before you know, releasing Traore off the bench? Or do you think that there's going to be an immediate reaction? I reckon he's going to go, knowing Nuno, I think he'll stick with the 3-5-2. It seems to be his preferred method at the minute, especially in managing the, effectively the quarters of how he wants to play at the minute. So I think he'll go with that formation. Personally, I would like to see the 3-4-3 because especially with the overlapping centre-back, I think we'll probably need a bit more help down the wings. So by having those extra wingers on, I think that would help. I'd probably also start with Neto. I know that uh, obviously Jota came on and did well, but I think Neto deserves a chance, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, what about you, Dan? Do you see, uh, do you see Neto starting? I mean, his form's been really good um, since... I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see why... He, he hasn't started already, to be honest, or, or at least been, give, been given a lot more minutes than what he has done. Because every time he has come on, he's looked lively. Um, even even before lockdown, he was he was looking a lot more lively than what Jota was. I think I think he'll go three five two. Um, I'm just I'm so contradicted to what everything I say. I'm just a walking contradiction at the moment. Um, I, I, I'd like him to go three five two on Wednesday, and since lockdown. Our best period of play has been that last half an hour against West Ham where Traore came on and just caused their left-back heaps of trouble. I still, I've said numerous times now, I think a lot of teams after this lockdown are still struggling to, to be at the fitness levels that they need to be at. And the last thing you want to see as a left-back after 60-70 minutes is Traore coming on where he's, he's going to be the most effective. Um, Sheffield United, I think going back to the home game earlier on in the season, I think they've probably caused us a lot more trouble than what some other teams have come into Molyneux with the way they played and deterred us. So it's, it's going to be a tough game on Wednesday. And I know I've been negative for this episode so far, but um, knowing the way that Wolves play, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be in the gym this morning doing the, the, the warm down and whatever. And they'll know that they'll, they'll need to put it right on Wednesday. And I think they will. Yeah, I mean, um, the way I kind of always look at it is, you know, Saturday was a poor performance. Like it was not kind of good enough for the standards they set, but they don't tend to put two poor performances in a row. Like, and even if we lose or draw, that there won't be the same application, I guess. Um, but well, that's sort of got to be the um, got to be the hope. Um, I mean, I was going to say, what what do we sort of? I was going to say, starting lineup. Are we just thinking that? 
it'll be a combination of, I guess, the, the Jota, Traore, Neto, um, Dendonka, Switcheroo, I guess, and their sort of quadrangle. And then everyone else is sort of going to stay the same, to think, do we think? Or, um, you know, I, to be honest, there's not really any other sort of changes he's likely to, uh, likely to make unless... Um, you know, he sort of decides to switch in Vinagre or something like that, which I'd be incredibly yeah. surprised at. I mean, I said in the group chat yesterday, and it was kind of facetious about Morgan Gibbs-White, but fuck it, we're at that stage of the season now. He's never going to get any better if he doesn't get game time. Why not throw him in, see what yeah. he can do? At least give him half of, of, of a game of football. If he shits the bed again, fine, get him out. But you may as well try something at this point now. I mean, not Energy actually. levels. Yeah. I think he'll bring energy mm. levels yeah. in that midfield, which I think the last two or three games we haven't had. I know Dendonka runs 400 kilometres a game or whatever he does, but it's it's Dave Edwards' levels of running where if you need it, you need to be effective, and if you're not scoring, you're not effective. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm probably in the very small minority of the uh, fancast parish where I actually really like Gibbs White, and I, I, I still believe he's got the potential to really kind of make it up the... Uh, it's that uh, communion uh, wine of your parish, I think. I know, but <laughs> actually, in 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 theory, he should be the one. You know, one of those three midfielders and being the most advanced one because he's mm-hmm. got he's got great balance in his play and he's got the ability to link up um, players and he's versatile. So in theory, he should be able to sort of drift out wide and help um, you know link up the fullbacks as well. But there's obviously, again, an application issue that he's not kind of really pushed on. Um, I, I, I was going to say, to add to that, I think if he was good enough, he'd be playing for us right now. Yeah. <clears throat> like, you know, you see, you know, he's in that same team as like your Phil Foden's and your Sancho's and mm. Dominic Calvert-Lewin <clears throat> and a whole heap of names. And if he was, if he was good enough, I think he'd be playing um, genuinely, especially in a three-five-two. Like, he'd be, in the, you know, he's... I guess his preferred position, he'd be perfect for that number 10 role if he was as good as what he's perceived to be or what he perceives to be, I guess. So, yeah, it, it, it's a bit of an enigma. I, I mean, I wouldn't be averse to starting him, to be honest with you, Wednesday, because yesterday, like, yesterday was that bad. You, cut, you know, rule droppable for me. Um, yeah. We need to do something. So, yeah, by all means, if you've got a game, then fair enough. But he's, I think he's on his last legs, to be honest with you. I think he'll have to put in a performance the next chance he gets, whatever that is. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm sort of a bit of the opinion, like you've just said, he doesn't... Obviously, he's had injuries sort of curtail his season this year. Um, and the starts he has made weren't particularly um, enlightening. But... Actually, where you know, if he only comes on for five minutes at the end of the games, which I think he's is he featured in all three, well, all four games since we've come back. I know he's kind of come on in a, a couple of them, um, but it's only been sort of for spits and spells, which is a bit of a, I, I guess, a bit of a shame. I mean, we kind of um, off tangent about Sheffield United, but I, the, the thing with Gibbs White for me is I don't quite know what his best position is. You know, it, he kind of gets floated around. Um, you know, to be, you know, sometimes players almost false nine, so to speak. Is he a central midfielder, an attacking one, mm. out wide? And, you know, I feel that for a lot of players in, I think it's a bit of a thing with how the, the technical developments worked in England. Um, I'm really going off subject now, by the way. But there are a lot of really technically astute um, 
footballers who are coming through and have come through. And so like um, Loftus-Cheek's a good example of this as well, but that, um, that really technically they, they can kind of do it all, but they don't have a nailed down position where they've spent almost their, their adolescence playing in and sort of saying, I am a centre midfielder. We've almost got lots of number 10s who can, you know, a number 10 who can play out wide. That kind of says to me, you don't really have a position. And you can sort of, you know, it's a jack of all trades, master of none. And my, my biggest fear for Gibbs White is that he doesn't have that nailed down position, so to speak. And even someone like Neto, who's a comparatively similar age, he is a winger. And whether it's left or what right, he is a winger. And I, I just don't quite know where it sits for Gibbs White. And to be honest, listening to the interviews with him, listening to how a club speak about him and how his teammates speak about him, I don't think they know. Even I just think I think he's a good footballer, which is fine. But I don't think that's going to be what will get him to where he and the club think he should go. Yeah, I think he's a bit of a victim of circumstance. When we've seen him play in that number 10 role, I think that's probably where he's excelled. I mean, was it, was it Leicester last year when he was playing just behind Jota and Jimenez? And he really helped link up the play in that game. I know he, he waned after half-time, which is a young lad, it's going to happen. So I do think that that number 10 role probably is his future. But the circumstances are that Nuno doesn't really operate with the number 10. So he's obviously tried him in other positions. And playing him that bit deeper doesn't really help him that much because that's obviously not his game. He's more forward thinking rather than joining up the play and, and keeping it in the centre. So for me, it is a bit of a victim of circumstance issue. Yeah, I think until he bulks up to his um, his peak, you'll you'll never know what his position is going to be. I think we've we've said numerous times that he could do with a loan out to a Championship club where he's going to get the minutes. <clears throat> in a position where we need him to be moulded into to play for us in the future. But he must be performing in training because obviously he came on yesterday and um, I think, I can't remember who mentioned it last episode, that Jordao probably could have been a due minute. Mm, still haven't seen him, have we? Yeah. No. Um, so I think, I think it's interesting sort of Nuno's kind of still sticking to the kind of the squad and you know he doesn't seem to really be even using more than three subs if he if he does use three subs mm. going forward. But um I was gonna say just to round off the Sheffield United uh chat and fingers crossed, you know, but Burnley can kind of um dig away a couple of points at them at least. Um what safe on score predictions for the game? I will start with Eeny Meeny Mani Moandi. Um <clears throat> I think Sheffield will come at us because that's the way they play. They're they're not gonna sit back. We've got enough in the tank to get past them. Uh, two one. Uh, Dan. To us. Yeah. <laughs> um, three two Wolves. I think it'll be. Uh, I think it's going to be one of them games where both teams need the points now. If they've got any aspirations to hit that top four, or you know, Sheffield United need need the points to get in that in the Europa League places. Which I know we've all got our sights on Champions League, but still getting Europa League would still be fantastic. Mm. So yeah. I think it'll be a high score, high scoring game. Mm. And what about you, Jordan? Um, <clears throat> I think I think we're a better team than them. To be quite honest with you, um, I'd like. I think we'll win maybe two nil, two nil. I think. Um, but you know they're a good, they're a tough team, and, and for me they're a tougher team to play than Arsenal this year. So 
if we turn up like we did yesterday, we're going to get rolled over. So we need to be on it. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go with one-one. I think that uh, as I think Dan alluded to, both teams are going to want to win. I, I get the feeling we're just going to end up cancelling each other out, unfortunately. But it's going to be a really interesting game. I think it's hopefully going to be a good, entertaining game of football. Um, and, you know, hopefully both teams start brightly, and you know we don't have to put up with you know 60 minutes of Wolves kind of going through emotions. Um, so um, I was going to say before we kind of move on to Twitter corner, um, Dan has prepared his now infamous, I think we should call it. Uh, what, Dan? What do you? What, what's your title? Because I've got. I, I went for my notes. Word smash. Uh, you can call it whatever you want. It's just. It's just like my life. It's just all a jumble and you have to just try and put it all together. So in the instances in the past, if people haven't listened to before, the question is a mixture of two answers which you mould together to one. So for instance, Wolves all-time top scorer and a demolition vehicle would be Steve Bulldozer. Simple as that. Are you ready? Yeah, is it fastest finger first? It's, um, it's Yeah, it's usually like, if you can quickly say your name, uh, if you know the answer, and then I'll come straight to you. If, you. if you take more than sort of a second once I've come to you to give your answer, then I'm just going to refuse it because I think you, you're giving yourself too much time to work it out. <laughs> okay, so everyone ready? Yep. 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 Okay. Former Arsenal striker with the band who sang I'm Too Sexy. And uh, uh, is it Ian Wright said Fred? That's correct. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I showed my age on that one. Yeah, I, fellow, didn't have, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> as a bald man, Andy, I would have expected you to get that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so obviously it's because it's Arsenal and Sheffield United. This is the two teams that we've played. So this is the theme sort of for this week. Uh, former Arsenal winger of the 90s with the brewery near the Clarendon. Oh, um, Rich, um, Mark Overmasters. It's correct, Richard. <laughs> as simple Brilliant. as that, guys. It's as simple as that. Right, next one. <clears throat> Former Wolves and Sheffield United midfielder who may be the most famous martial artist ever. No idea. Nobody. Pass. Pass. Oh. No, Rich. Okay. It's Jack. No, no, I'm going to no, The correct myself. answer was Bruce Lee Evans. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking the other way. As that, lad. Yeah, I was thinking the other way as well. I had, I yeah, had, yeah, yeah I, I had Lee and then couldn't, I was like, it was, like I, was, then I couldn't get Colin Lee out of my head. <laughs> Colin Bruce Lee. Lee. Yeah. Jeff Lee Mills would have been another one, but he was a striker. <laughs> anyway, next one is. The goalie and scorer involved in our third goal in our playoff final win. Sorry, can you repeat that? The goalie oh, and... Stop, uh, Rich. Um, Paddy Kenny Miller. Sorry, sorry, Andy. Sorry. Correct answer. Figure <laughs> <laughs> out the fucking question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Was it, was, it, was it a volume or was, was it not clear or...? No, it was me. Okay, <laughs> okay uh, so... What's the scores at the moment? Rich is on two, two. and he's... Well, I haven't said a word yet. Oh, yeah, and then no one got Bruce Lee Evans. So, 
Rich needs and needs this for a tiebreaker, which I haven't got. Um, <laughs> Wolves defender and current WBC heavyweight champion of the world. I haven't watched boxing in years. I haven't got a there's, clue. Oh, no. There's, there's, there is only two heavyweight champions of the world at the moment. I'm GM and I'm just trying to work out. What's the question? So... Wolves defender. Wolves defender and current WBC heavyweight champion of the world. I'm trying to think what goes with... It's Tyson Fury. I'm trying to think what goes with... Um, oh, I've got a pass. Okay. The correct answer was Matt Doa Tyson Fury. Oh, there's a pronunciation difference, but it's there, lads. That's the <coughs> answer. Mm. Okay. And that's the quiz, lads. Well done, Rich. Thank you. I feel like I got very competitive on that for genuinely yeah. no apparent reason, as Andy will uh, attest to me giving the figures <laughs> to him whenever I got the answers right. Okay, uh, let, let's wrap up today's show with uh, Twitter Corner. Um, it's actually, I was going to say, a fan that. Fancast pundits, uh, sort of heavy one with three of our boys dropping in. Um, so first we've got Stu asking, is it better to watch a film version of a stage show, um, such as Hamilton, or a movie adaptation of one, such as Cats? Um, I've not seen the movie Cats, but I have watched um, the film version of Hamilton over the weekend, so I'm just going to categorically say that. Yeah, I'm halfway through Hamilton at the minute. Really enjoying it. Um <clears throat> Have you seen it live as well? I say, like, have you seen it on West End? No, not yet. I'm, I Fantastic. was tempted to go when I went get to New York in the uh, winter. Mm. Um, it, it's one of the ones on the list. I quite, I think when you adapt it for the screen, it does take something away from it. Whereas if you've got it for, if you've got the audience, or sorry, if you've got the stage show on screen, then it's everything that person wanted you to see. Yeah. So I would go for that. Any opinions, Dan? Wrong person to ask, lads. I only watch football and porn. <laughs> Sometimes combined. <laughs> and I was worrying about. And I was worrying about the name of this show. <laughs> uh, Jordan, any opinions on um, fil- um, plays and films? Same as Dan. To be fair. <laughs> I was going to say I feel Stay like strong, me and, Stay I, I feel like me and Andy could do a podcast on this alone if we wanted to. I mean, um, I kind of do, Rich, to be honest. Yeah, do, you want a, do you want a little plug? I'm feeling well, nice. <laughs> yeah, I think if you've got any questions about film, then you should check out my podcast, Cage Fighting, which is all about the big questions in film. And specifically, is Nick Cage a good or a bad actor? Thank you, Rich. I was going to say, ironically, the next question up is from Matt from <laughs> the fancast as well. So okay, might as well just have another guy from this other podcast as well. Who um, asked, uh, where do you draw the line at sports? So he said, chess, darts, tiddlywinks. So what, what do we kind of, you know, without kind of rambling on too long, what, what do and don't we class as a sport? Everything but wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'd say anything where something ages to do it. So, like, for example, horse racing isn't a sport for me in terms of for the for the jockey because, obviously, again, um, there's probably technicalities to it that I know, I'm, I'm probably going over. But 
Yeah, I'd say something where you're getting aided to do something isn't really a sport. Um, or something that you don't have to exert yourself to do. That's like mentally or physically. So I'd even class like things like poker as a sport, in my opinion. Yeah. But then, yeah, I'd say horse racing. Nah. <laughs> I, I disagree. I think where there is a measurable winner. So in horse racing, obviously, the first person past the line wins. For me, something like gymnastics, that's someone's opinion on who is the best gymnastic, gymnastica, whatever they're called. So for me, it would be anything where you can define a winner, not where it's someone's opinion. Like ballroom dancing isn't a sport. It's sports entertainment, to steal a wrestling phrase. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of on Andy's line, but it, it, and sort of almost a combination, but the mental and physical, yes. Uh, and also, actually, it's competitive, um, which mm. means a defined winner. So one thing I... I don't think cheerleading classifies as a sport just on the sort of a very principle that it, it's come across something which is, you know, a association of other sports that mm. you have cheerleading. Like, I, don't, I don't kind of, I, I'm really showing a lot of ignorance. I appreciate it. And I'm sure there's a several Netflix documentaries that um, I'll have to watch on this, but I don't kind of see how it, you know, Cheerleading is about sort of cheering on a sport. Rather, otherwise, it's just dancing or gymnastics. God, we must have been poor this week if we've just been discussing cheerleading as a sport. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can feel a Twitter poll coming. So, uh, quick last couple of questions. Um, D- Dean uh, Marston, who's a big fan cast listener, Dean um, Alva Marston's. <gasps> That, that, I was going to say, perfect. Um, he's asked, will there be any changes for the Sheffield United game, which we've already kind of covered. Um, but um, King Wolf 84 um, has asked, um, as Wolves as a business, and throw someone the return on investment, um, what non-sporting goals should the club be setting, i.e. best pies, programme, most sustainable, in brackets, like carbon neutral football club. So almost kind of, what initiatives do you think the club could be doing to... I guess, make a bit more money. I like the idea of a carbon neutral one. I feel like a, 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 I know Forest Green are obviously doing lots. I feel that would be a really easy win for some uh, clubs to whack on some solar panels onto the top of the stadium. Yeah, I think that's the way that, I think that's the way that most clubs will be going to be perfectly honest long-term. Obviously we know the, the pending issue with uh, climate change. So, like you say, it's an open goal for someone to take, and I wouldn't be surprised if we did that. Uh, I think Dan- we should invest in Wi-Fi so that the fans can be given the option to vote on polls during game, which Nuno gets the answers to. Okay. But so we we can make the substitution rather than Nuno. Yeah. yeah cut yeah. him out, and it's all on the fans from now on. And if it goes wrong, then we all get slated <laughs> in, in a podcast. Um, I was going to say that chimes into an idea I, I've always had. Um, you know how we have the interactive boards going around the advertisement boards? Is that mm. it's relatively unfiltered, apart from maybe um, offensive language. Um, it, it, my idea happened back in the day when like Twitter wasn't a thing. But you should just be able to text something in, and it should appear on the screen. And so, like it. You know, let's say that now you could just like tweet in and it'll just like pop up saying like at Richard Hobbs. Have you made thought about running inside at all today, Jossa? 
uh, or something like that. Um, I appreciate if the club did do, you know, it might be even be a pay service if it was text, like you pay 50p to do it. Mm. Um, but I can imagine just for club, somehow everyone's just tweeting, come on you wolves or something <laughs> like that. Um, Jack that Grealish, would... hashtag break his legs. Yeah. And it, t- you're telling me you wouldn't pay like a quid a game just to be able to tweet something um, to a club and they put it like around the stadium. Uh, think think how play, many I'd podcasts play, I'd play, play, guys. It's like a big explicit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it depends, it depends what the content is, isn't it? I guess it depends how much you can get away with. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the club being massively happy. But uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with um, one last question from um, Captain Chief of the Fancast, David Evans. So he said, Jimenez, Neves, Traore. It's not not quite Shag, Mary and Kill, but it's close. Um, you can sign one to a long-term deal, send one out on loan to a top six rival. Uh, they may return or they may they may be sold on to a loaned club or s- and sell one. Now, I'll go first just because I've had a little bit of time to think about this. But personally, I think I'd sign Neves to a long-term deal. I think I'd loan Triore to a top six club and I'd sell Jimenez chiefly because I think Neves has probably kind of got the room to kind of grow and continue i think Traore. i think lots of clubs would go oh we'd like him and for six months they go we have no idea what we're actually doing with him and we'll probably send him back in frustration and i think as we've already kind of talked about the whole Jimenez transfer um i guess saga almost at this point that he is 29 if you're going to sell one of them it's going to be the one who's knocking 30 I, I agree completely with that. I think Neves is is the poster boy for Nuno, isn't he? So I think as long as Nuno's here, you want Neves here. So he's he's the linchpin of the uh, the, the whole setup. Yeah, no one else seems to know what to do with Traore. So fine, they can have him for a few months. They won't want to sign him because they won't know what they're doing. And yeah, Jimenez, he's the only one who's probably got. He's never going to be worth more than he is right now at twenty nine. So he would be the one to sell. Not that I want to, but no. <laughs> that would be the one. I think that's pretty much going to be the same yeah. for, for yeah. me as well, to be honest. At least. It's just all common sense. Jimenez is 29. You, you could get big money for him. Neves has got so many years of, of growth and he's just fantastic and trail race frustrating. So, yeah, we'll loan him out and bring him back. Welcome him yeah. back. Yeah. I'd go with the same as well, guys, to be honest with you. Let, let him and Ez get his dream move eh, to his dream club that he don't want to tell us about. His favourite club he's supported since a child, which is either Man United, Real Madrid, yeah. or yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's going to be like um, Shanghai Chanel or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, um, before we do, I'll, we'll wrap up the show in just a second, but on him and Ed, I can imagine doing a very elaborate social media announcement do you remember like when Hazard uh, moved to Chelsea and it was like I will be announcing who I'll be moving to in three days I can, I can see yeah. I can see Jimenez doing one of yeah. them um, he'll do like yeah. a, a baby reveal but he'll be yeah. pushing into a cage <laughs> yeah. and yeah. he'll have black and white stripes uh, because he's going yeah. to Juve <laughs> like, wait is he going to Newcastle <laughs> uh, I think it'd be more than that I think he might do it in the delivery room I think the baby might come out with like a Real Madrid top on or something <laughs> and then that, that'd be it then. but 
<laughs> fantastic well thank you very much for joining us this week uh, guys big thank you to our sponsors pixel yeti media uh, make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com um make sure you keep up to date with um, with our socials uh, we're on twitter facebook instagram um you search Sandcast, you'll find us um, and we'll see you after the Sheffield uh, United game with fingers crossed we get another three points but until then it's goodbye from Dan Adios. It's goodbye from Andy Be safe everyone. It's goodbye from Jordan. Have been the same And it's goodbye from me. See you next time Explore Beyond the Stratosphere in Museum of the Bible's compelling exhibition, Scripture and Science, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place, in Washington, D.C., open now through January 15th. Featuring artifacts from trailblazers in history like Isaac Newton, Nicholas Copernicus, and hidden figures like Dorothy Vaughn, this exhibit guides you through groundbreaking discoveries and thought-provoking questions. Come and see how Scripture and Science have shaped our world. Get your tickets today at museumofthebible.org.